Morning, family. It's good to be with you today. My name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Covenant Church, Sterling. Uh, happy Father's Day to our fathers. Uh, I have the privilege of being a, a daddy to Ethan, Owen, and Ada. So, hey, Ethan, Owen, and Ada, I hope you're doing well. I love you. Um, I'm really glad that you're here. And if, if this is your first time being with us, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I hope that this has been an encouraging moment thus far and that, that really we'd have an opportunity to get to know you better. Uh, so if, if you are new, please, please go ahead and, and let us know in the, in the chat so that we can, we can find ways to connect with you, to, to get you all the things that you need uh, that we have available to you. Um, as Miata mentioned, we are all about small groups because in small groups, what happens is that we have the opportunity to be engaged to be connected to one another, to really get established in this church body, um, to, to get equipped for the sake of, of uh, serving and leading in the church. And ultimately, uh, as, as small group leaders, we, we are empowered to, to lead others, to minister, to, to be the body of Christ. And, and so in, this, in these small groups, there's a microcosm of, of God's people getting together, doing life together. And I know that that phrase can be kind of uh, tedious at times. We, we've heard it used, but this is really a place, small groups are a place where we can share uh, one another's burdens, where we can love one another, where we can, we can obey the word of God, and, and we can love our neighbor, love our brother, love our sister well. So I would encourage you, be part of a small group if you're not already part of one. Uh, you can get information by emailing sterling at gracecov.org, or you can just go to our website, gracecov.org slash sterling. As I said, Father's Day is, is today, so happy Father's Day. Hopefully you're, you've got some plans to celebrate with family, uh, with friends, uh, maybe not too many friends, but uh, it's, it's, an, it's a moment to remember what our fathers mean to us. Um, really, there, there are just a few relationships that, that shape the lives of individuals. You know, you've got, you've got parents, sometimes you've got teachers, uh, you've got spouses, but, but fathers are so important to that mix. And, and I was thinking about this, and I, and I realized that of my, of my childhood memories, one of my strongest memories was of my father teaching me to whittle. And, and I remember being a little kid in, in Hartford, Alabama, no older than maybe six or seven, maybe it was a different time, but whatever, it was Alabama. Kids had, had knives with uh, their dads and, and the little pocket knives, um, not, not big knives. Anyways, we were sitting on a stoop and in front of our house, and I remember my dad giving me a little lock blade knife and, and showing me how to open it, and it locks in place, and explaining the rules of, of whittling, that you, you, know, you whittle away from yourself, you cut away from yourself, you make sure there's no one in front of you, uh, you remember that the blade is sharp, that it does cut, that it, it doesn't care about the mistakes that it makes, and so you have to be very careful. My dad was teaching me uh, to be skillful in the art of, of handling a pocket knife. And that's what dads do. They teach us to be skillful in, in the arts of life, in the various things that we are supposed to do. And, and some of us have experienced that well, and others have experienced the lack thereof, but we've all been marked by fatherhood. Some of us have been marked by, by similar experiences where our fathers poured into us and, and they, they gave us some skills that allowed us to live in a way that was... Uh, 
informed, thoughtful, artful. And, and others of us, we, we didn't get those things, and so we had to either compensate in other ways or we find lack in our own soul, lack in our own life as a result of not having those things. And so today I wanted to look at a father who wanted to teach his children in the skillful art of living a godly life. In other words, the art of getting, keeping, and not forgetting wisdom. So we're going to be reading out of Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Listen along with me. Hear, O sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teachings. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on you a head, or sorry, she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the ultimate father, that you're the father from whom every family is named, as your word says. And God, we pray that you would help us to pursue wisdom so that we might bring honor to your name, that we might establish or reestablish or maintain this legacy that you are hoping to establish in our lives and in the lives of our children. God, and ultimately that you might be glorified and we might receive the joy of, of walking and living in a manner that pleases you. Jesus, we pray that you would bless this time and be with us by your spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Solomon is speaking to us, and, and if you don't know, Solomon is this, is this king who, who came after David. He's actually the son of David and, and Bathsheba. We had talked about their relationship a, a, a while back, but it's interesting that God used David and Bathsheba to produce Solomon, really one of the, the wisest people who ever lived. And, and we see in this in the book of Proverbs, that, that this is a book of, of wisdom, of, of really these, these pithy statements that, that come together to inform how we ought to live. We see that the purpose, and, and it's written in verse 1 uh, of chapter 1, it says, uh, sorry, not of Psalms, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and he goes on to talk about the purpose, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand the words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then he goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we see in, in even the beginning that Solomon is trying to do something here. He's trying to give us wisdom, trying to help us to, to live in a particular way. And he really taps into something that, that we need to remember that about the Bible, that the Bible was never intended just to be an encyclopedic uh, reference novel or reference work. It was intended to be something that informed not just what we believe, but how we lived. 
And really, if, if we believe the things in here, they, they ought to naturally move into the area of behavior and, and what obedience looks like. And so we see that, that Solomon writes really a great deal of this. Uh, we believe that he wrote most of it. There are a couple sections that maybe he didn't write uh, towards the end, but we see, especially in, in chapters 1 through 9, that, it, that he's writing these things that he has received from his father, and he's writing to his children, uh, his sons. And then we see it, it reaffirmed in, in chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, we see Solomon saying, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise, and he goes on to, to share some more wisdom. So we see that, that this is, this is a, a, a tome of, of God's wisdom given to us through Solomon, who received it from his father, David, and also his mother. And, and in this section, we, we have this specific uh, call for us to receive, to keep, and to not forget wisdom. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. It says in verses 1 through 3, Oh, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. He talks about a father's instruction. He talks about gaining insight. These are really very synonymous with this idea of wisdom. He goes on, for I give you good precepts. Again, precepts, instruction, insight. Really, these are, these are speaking of different perspectives of, of how to live in a way that, that reflects uh, the character of God, that, that lives in a skillfully um, godly manner. When I was a son with my father, tender, uh, tender, uh, the only one in, in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said some things to me. So we see in verses 1 and 2 that, that Solomon is telling us to listen. He says, hear, in verse 1, be attentive. Uh, do not forsake, in verse 2. Right? In, in two verses, he calls at least three times for us to, to take on, to receive, to accept his wisdom. Um, as a father, there are moments where, where I, I, you know, I, I ask my kids to do something, and they, if they do, they do, and they, if they don't, then I'm, I might you know, come back and, and encourage them, hey, you know, go do the thing I asked you to do. But there are other moments where I look them in the eyes, and I say, look at me in the eyes. And I wait until I see their eyes on my eyes, and then I, I give them what I want to give them. I tell them what I want to tell them. And these are moments where, where I'm trying to get their attention, get their focus, get their perspective so that they might listen well the first time. And so that's, that's what we see Solomon doing here. He's saying, listen up. He's saying, hear me, be attentive, right? He's not just saying, hear like I hear birds in, in the atmosphere and I'm not really paying attention, but he's saying, hear in such a way that you are giving attention to this. Be attentive. Do not forsake. Don't just hear something and then forget about it, but don't forsake it. Right? You, when you don't forsake something, you keep it close. You, you keep it and you don't let it go. He says, hear these things. Then he goes on to express what he has said, what he uh, has to say, which has been passed down from his father. So he says in verse three, as I said before, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, when he was a little, little child, uh, his father taught me and said to me, and he goes on, let your heart hold fast to my words. Listen for the, the language of keeping, of hearing, of receiving let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Now we're shifting into some personification. Do not forsake her, wisdom that is, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. 
And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. And so we see that, that, that Solomon had received a, a legacy and inheritance from his father David of wisdom. And he's trying to pass it on to his children and we get to receive from it as well. It's a very vivid picture of, of hearing. Again, this is not just passive listening. This is not just um, sitting a room, in a room and overhearing something. Look, look at verse 3 with me. or Sorry, verse uh, 4. Let your heart hold fast to my words. Let your heart hold fast to my words. Not just listen to what I'm saying, but he's saying let your heart, and, and in this world, heart represented the, the, the emotion, the thoughts, the, the will, really the seat of personhood for a person. So he, he's saying, in the core of who you are, in the core of all of your being, hold fast to my words. Don't just hear them, but hold them. Right? He, he gives language of, of the heart being personified and being able to hold on to his word, not let it go. Control it, keep it, maintain it, keep it tactily. He says, hold on. And when we, when we open the Bible, as I said before, it shouldn't be an, an intellectual exercise where you, you, you mindlessly, you know, the, the words pass through your eyes, into your brain, and then out. And, and sometimes we can read like that, and, and nope, no shame if that's the case, but, but what God is calling us to, and what, what Solomon is calling us to, is a kind of active listening where, where you're hearing things and you're understanding things. This is not, this is not uh, middle school cramming where, where you hear something, you read it, you memorize it for 30 seconds for the test, and then you forget it. No, he's saying, I want you to hold it, not just in your mind, but hold it in the depths of your heart. When you open the Bible and consider the wisdom in it, in it, it shouldn't just be an intellectual exercise. Our hearts should hold fast to this word. And he says there's a benefit to it. He says in verse 4, keep my commandments and what? Live. Right? The, there's a benefit to this. Again, this is not just knowledge. Me knowing that a narwhal has uh, a horn, as cool as that is, as amazing as that is, I don't know if that's going to have any effect on my life unless I happen to go into the ocean and have a fight with a narwhal. Either way, though, I probably won't, it won't do me much good. The kind of knowledge that is in this is not that kind of knowledge. It's not the kind of referential, you know, Wikipedia, oh, it's great to know that uh, Kevin Costner has been in a bajillion movies. No, this is the kind of, this is the kind of knowledge that, that has bearing on our life. Whether we should choose to marry this person or that person, or we choose, should choose to spend our money this way or that way, or we should choose to love our neighbor in this manner or that manner. Um, the, the information in here is the kind of information that allows us to live well, to live rightly. He says, keep my commandments and live. So in these first three verses, Solomon lets us know what he has to say, and then he goes on to talk about the kind of wisdom that he wants us to get. And as I said before, li- listen to the, the way he talks about, the way he, he labors over this idea of getting wisdom, of, of keeping wisdom and not forgetting it. He says, um, hold fast to my word. Keep my commandments. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away. Love wisdom. Get wisdom. It's repeated prize wisdom, embrace wisdom. So it's fair to ask this question right now, what is wisdom? And this is the sort of thing that we might just assume that we know. 
Um, one commentator put it this way, and I think it was really helpful. He, he described it as skillfulness, skillfulness in the art of godliness. So wisdom isn't just knowledge. It's not just knowing things, but it's knowing things in such a way that it informs and, and allows you to live in a godly manner. So uh, David and Solomon are calling us to, to get the kind of information, to get, get the kind of knowledge that allows us to live in such a way that we bring honor to God. We reflect the nature and character of God. It's a skill. He says, uh, the commentator calls it a skillful, skillfulness in the art of godliness. It's a skill. It's not just knowledge acquisition, but it's, it's knowledge and behavior, right? The, the skill of doing a, a, a cartwheel is not just knowing that you put your hands up and you go one way. I can't even, I don't have the skill, but if I did, I'd be able to explain it with words. But it's not just being able to explain it with words. It's being able to do it with your body. It's being able to employ that knowledge in a way that allows this behavior to happen, right? Uh, this is not the matrix, and we can't just, you know, download Kung Fu. And if you don't know what that reference is, don't worry about it. Um, but wis- wisdom is the art, the skillful uh, art of godliness. And it's the art of godliness. It's not just rule following, but it's this kind of, it's called an art because it's an appreciation for God's word that permeates and it flavors our life so that, that even in those moments where, where the, you don't have these rules laid out, you know, do this, don't do this, but it's kind of this, okay, I've got this situational thing and I have to figure out what the best solution is. Uh, you, you can't always have chapter and verse, but you can have chapter and verse inform you in such a way and, and flavor your, your, your thought processes in such a way that you, you can get a sense of this is where we need to go. And, and you've probably, if you've been in the kingdom for any length of time, you've met people like that, where you have this complicated life situation and you bring it to them and they, they're able to, in a moment, just say, oh, you know, th- these are the four steps you need to make. And you're like, oh, I never saw that path. I never saw that way forward. But there's, there's wisdom that has permeated the, their, their life. They have practiced this art of godliness. And it is an art. It is an art form. And so he says that we should receive uh, Pursue, accept, keep, and not forget wisdom. Not forget the skillfulness in the art of godliness. Solomon first calls us to get wisdom. Right? He, he says it in, in verses 1 and, and following. He says, you know, uh, hear a father's instruction, be attentive, um, do not forsake my teachings. But he talks about getting wisdom. In verse 5, he says, get wisdom. In verse 7, he, he reiterates and says, the, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. The first step in getting wisdom is recognizing I need to get wisdom. We need to get wisdom. Uh, and, and if we were to step back, we would recognize that part of this getting of wisdom is, is recognizing something about the nature of God. This isn't just, uh, again, this is not just information. It's not just pithy living. It's not just uh, some sort of Instagram post that, that, that encourages you. Wisdom the wisdom of God in, in the wisdom of, of Scripture is, is founded and it's rooted in who God is. And it says in verse uh, 7 of chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now you might say, Pastor Eddie, that, that says it's knowledge. Well, uh, it goes on to say in, in, let me find the reference, I think it's in chapter 9, uh, 9 verse 10, chapter 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the, the, 
the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, is, is using those words in, in kind of synonymous ways. Knowledge, wisdom, they're the same thing. The beginning of, of wisdom, the getting of wisdom begins when we recognize the fear of the Lord. When we recognize that God is amazing, that this Lord, again, he's, he says Lord in Yahweh is the name of the covenant-keeping Lord. It's not just God out there, but it's the God who has, has made himself in, imminent who's gathered his people together, who said, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, I'm going to be to you um, a faithful God, and you're going to be a faithful people to me. And he says, in that context, fearing me, uh, having an awe, a, a respect and honor for me, that is the beginning of living a life that is artful and it's skillful in its godliness. So if we want to live in a way that, that reflects the godliness of God, the first thing we need to do is to have an awe of God, a respect and an honor for God. And we need to get that quickly. He says, uh, get wisdom. Get this fear of the Lord. He goes on and he says, we don't need to just get wisdom, but we need to keep the wisdom. He says it multiple different ways. He says, uh, uh, be attentive, right? Being attentive communicates a kind of keeping of getting, but, but not just getting it like sand in your hand that you get and then it comes out of your hand, but it's, it's keeping it. He says, be attentive. Uh, he goes on to say, keep my commandments in verse four. Get wisdom, get insight. Um, do not forsake. Prize her highly. When, when we prize something, we keep it. We, we, we hold it close. He says, love her. Right, in, in verses six and seven, and, and really following, we see that wisdom takes on this personification of, of really a bride. And, and Solomon uses this language of, of, of a bride, and, and it brings flesh and bone to the idea. We, we're not just thinking of, of facts and figures in the air, but we're thinking of this, this person. And you don't just forget a person. You, you keep her close. You, you keep your wife close. I'm thankful for my wife, and I, I, you know, I like to hug her, and, and she's mine, and I keep her close. I prize her. I do things for her. I don't forget her. I try not to forget her. And things go poorly if I forget her, right? Because the, the, the benefit of that kind of relationship is that you, you keep that one close. And he says, in the same way that you would keep your bride close, in the same way that you would love your bride, love wisdom, pursue wisdom and keep it close. Embrace it. He says, um, right, she will, uh, she will honor you if you embrace her. We want to keep wisdom. We don't just want to get wisdom. We want to keep it. And he says, in fact, don't forget it. And, and you and I, we have, this, we have this challenge of forgetfulness. But in the same way that wisdom has to do with more than just knowledge, our forgetfulness has to do more with more than just mental forgetfulness. It's a, it's a kind of willful, behavioral forgetfulness. We live life as though God doesn't exist. We often live life as though these these words of wisdom don't exist. We, we live life and think, well, surely I know better. And we see this in, in Genesis with Adam and Eve. They knew God and wisdom would, would tell them to live as though God existed, that he was the ultimate, that he was the one who was calling the shot, shots, that he was sovereign. And yet they lived in a forgetful manner. They forgot who God was. Now, they didn't forget that he existed, but they lived in such a manner and, and tried to, they, they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and lived in such a way that they could make decisions as though they were God. And in so doing, they were being forgetful. They were forgetting him, God. Uh, so Solomon calls us and he says, do not forsake her. Do not forsake my teachings, he says in verse two. 
He says, do not uh, forget these things. He, we, he calls us to keep them. And when we do that, uh, we, will, we will benefit, we will get a benefit. Now what's, what's interesting as a side note is, is when we look at this whole section, there's not one mention specifically of God. Now what are we to make of this? Well, Solomon and David were so connected to and so uh, aligned with the word of God that they could say to their sons, listen to my words. And so in effect, they were saying, the words that I speak to you are so aligned with God's words that you can live your life in this way and it will be honorable to God because my words are connected to God's words. My words reflect God's words. Fathers, we have a responsibility to represent the authority of God in such a way that our words are in perfect harmony with God's words. Let me say that again. Fathers, we have a responsibility to represent the authority of God in such a way that our words are in perfect harmony with God's words. And I I would imagine that, that one of the rubrics of our success as fathers is whether or not we do that. Whether or not our, our words, our behaviors, our actions are, are in line with the Father's. And in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about how God is the Father from, all, from whom all families receive their fatherhood, from whom every family is, is constituted. So the ultimate uh, example of a father is, is in God the Father. God didn't look at fatherhood and say, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to use that um, to describe my fatherhood. No, he was imprinting on our nature his, his nature, Father of being a father. And so, fathers, when we, when we represent him poorly, um, we are calling into question his name. When we, when we live a life that reflects his honor, reflects his, his goodness, and our words align with his words, we are, we're honoring him. We have a responsibility to represent the authority of God well. Does your fathering represent God's? Does it sound like God's or does it sound different? It's a question for us to consider. So Solomon gives us these commands to, to get wisdom, to keep wisdom, and not to forget it. When we get wisdom and we keep it and we don't forget it, there is a reward. He says in verses 8 and 9, prize her highly. In other words, prize wisdom highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. When you live a life that is aligned with God's word, when you live a life that reflects the desire to know God, to honor him, to reflect his character, you become a kind of person who is honorable. You become the kind of person whom God exalts. Not because of your own performance, but because you've trusted in and you've heeded the, the, the words of God. Because you've allowed his word to, to permeate your being, that it now flavors who you are, that the decision-making process that you go, go through, that, that the behaviors that you've established in your life, they reflect the fact that, that God has, has entered into your life and that he's informing how and why you ought to live. We, he, we live in an honorable way when we live lives of wisdom. Hear the Father's word. God, our ultimate father, is, is calling today. He's calling you and me to, to participate in this legacy 
that, that Solomon has established. Now, you may come from a, a, a family where there is no positive legacy that has been established. Maybe your father wasn't in the picture. Maybe your father was in the picture, but not in a way that reflected the, the godly wisdom that, that the Bible talks about. But you have an opportunity to, to, to reflect God's wisdom in your life. You have an opportunity to hear in such a way that it affects not only your thoughts, but your behaviors. And so God is calling you and me both to live a life of honor, a life that is informed by the wisdom of God, a life that is characterized by the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, the respect and honor of God. Fathers, I, I want to challenge you today to, to re-take uh, on the charge to call your children up to this honorable life. I want to I challenge you men to, to call your children up to a life of wisdom. And family, I want to encourage you to look to, to, look to your he- heavenly father and hear his words, keep his words, and not to forget his words. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've given us your word that we might live by it. Not just that we would know things about you, but that we would know you in such a way that our lives would be lived differently. And Jesus, I thank you that you exemplified the knowledge that that Solomon talks about, the kind of wisdom that allows us to live differently. Jesus, that you lived a perfect life informed by the word, directed by the word, a life of wisdom. I thank you, God, that that even if we have not lived lives of wisdom up to this point, that, that you invite us to step into lives of wisdom, to turn away from the lives that we've lived before and to trust you, our Heavenly Father, to, to begin to pursue the fear of the Lord, to understand what that means, to live in light of the fact that we are not God and that you are God. If you've lived your life in such a way that you've never trusted in God, that you have acted like Adam and Eve, like you're your own God, the first step of getting wisdom is is pursuing a, a real and right understanding of the fear of the Lord, of recognizing that you and I, apart from Christ, are, are sinners. That means that we are rebels, rebels in, in God's, uh, God's kingdom and that we need to be reconciled to him. Now, God made a way through Jesus Christ. He, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be really the wisdom of God personified, to be uh, the, the kind of person who would live a perfect life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve for our own foolishness. The good news is that Jesus rose again on the third day and that he offers salvation, offers a new beginning and an ability for us to now live lives of wisdom if we put our trust and faith in him. And so for us, the fear of the Lord is is recognizing our sinfulness and our need for God and receiving his provision in Jesus Christ. If that's you, just pray this with me. Father God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin and I turn to you. Ask that you would forgive me for my sin, for what the Bible calls my foolishness. Help me to turn to you to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and give me a healthy fear of the Lord that informs my behavior, that allows me to live in this skillfully artful way of godliness for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, family, 
I pray that, that this would be a good Father's Day for you and that you would be encouraged, that, that you would experience the grace of God. In line with, with all of this, we want to be a blessing to our community. We want to be a blessing to the fatherless, to those who need a, a picture of God's goodness in the world. And so we have been collecting uh, a benevolence offering over the last few weeks, uh, really a number of weeks. And, and all of this has been going towards our efforts to, to meet the needs of those in our community, to meet the needs of individuals who, who can't meet their own needs, whether it's through food or, or paying a particular bill or, or even you know, toiletries or clothes. We are, we are trying our best to be salt and light, uh, to be a witness to God's goodness in Sterling, Herndon, Ashburn, Leesburg, all of these areas. And so I want to invite you today to take part in this. If you would like to, you can give uh, a number of different ways. You can give by check, by making it payable to Grace Covenant Church and writing Sterling Benevolence in the memo. You can e- uh, not email it. You can send it to our church office. Alternatively, you can uh, give online by going to gracecov.org slash sterling and clicking the, the give button, or you can give through a mobile app. But however you do it, I want to thank you. And I want to pray for this, this offering. Father God, I pray that you would use the generosity of your people to bless our community and bring light to the gospel. Allow us to, to share the love of God tangibly, both through our giving and through our, our service. Lord, let us be a blessing um, to be a preservative to our community. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Family, it is good, good, good to be with you. Let me say this last thing. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Love you.